When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Thanks for hanging out. Welcome into a Thursday. It's Hale Bar City Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Hope you're all right. Stay dry. I think sunshine's on the way, at least uh, this weekend. Busy show. More thoughts on how to fix college football. Gary Barnett will join us. Another uh, look into day-by-day with uh, a great Nebraskan on that offensive line and part of the uh, development office, director of development, Brendan Stye, with us. Both those guys will pop by an hour or two, along with all your best bets and Danny Burke. Uh, we'll get going with Brandon Vogel from Hale Varsity in about 20 minutes. So room for you to jump in and uh, dial up. Also some NFL on my mind. Uh, Baker Mayfield, interesting story on ESPN.com about what's next and what happened in Cleveland you may love Baker, you may hate Baker, but I'm thinking that uh, you have somebody either in your family or in your circle of friends that is or knows a guy that's been a, a suffering Browns fan, right? So <laughs> it looked good early. We, we got one just down the hall here. No, I know. We're, for X. <laughs> we're, we're two of them. <laughs> right? true. J-Dub and the boss man, the yeah. suit. <laughs> we just don't make eye contact Monday mornings for either of them with Baker. Uh, anywho, so we'll dive into Baker Mayfield's uh, struggles and just where, it, where, where, where things got a little poisonous. Numbers to dive in at 466 3776 800-825-5865. can email the show, Chris, at HaleVarsity.com. And uh, always give us a follow. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt, that's me. Or Elijah Herbal at uh, Herbal Essence on Twitter. So the, the reality is this. Uh, you've had uh, not nice exchanges between many in the college football world this week down in Arizona because folks that are getting raided, folks that can't compete in the world of NIL are losing to those that have adapted to the world of NIL. And while it wasn't supposed to be a recruiting tool, it has become a recruiting tool. And uh, the, the tipping point moment, and you have these for teams and programs and sports, if you go back, right, and just from a, from a historical standpoint, NBA, Bulls, Pistons, right? What, what got Jordan over the hump? Well, he got sick of losing to Detroit, trusting his teammates. Instead of scoring 45 himself, I'll score 30, and a couple other guys can get 20. He was more inclusive on offense, right? With Ohio State, what, what separated them? Kind of by accident, they had a great run game with Zeke Elliott. 
but their stud quarterback, Braxton Miller, got hurt. And they went to the pass-first guy, Cardale Jones. Well, that's what Ohio State's offense is now. They don't have a statue back there, but they've gone to a pass-first quarterback uh, at Ohio State with the hopes. Nick Saban always kind of had the game manager quarterback. What tipped his hand and, and moved a different direction to get that mobile quarterback, that athlete, that Jalen Hurts-type player, or even a Tua. I know Max not super dual threat, but he's not a statue. The Cam Newton game, right, where they blow a 21-point lead and Cam Newton leads a, a road win back in the Iron Bowl, 28-27. A game that Auburn fans affectionately know as the Camback. Right, the Camback. Thank you for that. <laughs> but there's been moments where you're just sick and tired of as good as you are, you don't get the job done. For Nebraska, they were sick of losing to the bowl games. You heard Grant Wistrom and crew talk about it yesterday where, all right, the, the, the Miami moments where you're sick of going down to the Orange Bowl after having a great season and getting embarrassed, and it turned out to be switching the defense around to a 4-3 with Trev Alberts and Ed Stewart and Nebraska having an attacking defense. Coach McBride's touched on it before. The offense was always going to be pretty decent, but the defense was – an equalizer. Well, in the world of college football, the tipping point this week has been Addison, right? Jordan Addison decision to enter the transfer portal and reshaping college football, right? It's caused a ton of concern. I can see all the reasons as to why, and it's not just a money thing, but to me it's it's what's coming back thing. And the the reality is this and it scares a lot of football teams as good as we were, there's always potentially something better. It just isn't good enough anymore to come back to an 11-2 and ACC championship football team. I'm going to go to USC or Alabama or someplace that's more sturdy and, and has a chance to have a great year and, and, and give me more exposure or give me more cash or give me more opportunities. That's the world that is, that is now. And NIL's not yesterday new, but it's been growing. And in the SEC, it's your chance to legally buy in. You've got some teams that are slow on this, some teams that are successful, and coaches and programs that are outspoken. Don't kid yourself. Clemson and Old Miss and Alabama and Georgia can make a phone call. LSU can make a phone call now and get together a, a group of air quote investors they can do it but now teams like a&m and tennessee that are either trying to get back to where they once were or maybe blaze a new trail this is your window of opportunity to to buy in to, to rise up the old social ranking so to speak right uh and and as as we speak it's it's legal to do now So I look at Nebraska right now, and we talked with Mitch Sherman about the special teams band-aid and broken leg. Well, this portal, and because Nebraska has been willing to adapt and be proactive and not be resistant to NIL, Nebraska has a chance here through the portal to be a very attractive place. The fan base, yes, uh, the uh, the coaching staff, some of the new coaching additions, yes. Their recruiting contacts, yes, be it at former programs or 
different areas around the country. Yes, all that, all that's important. But with Nebraska, I mean, you have a chance to have seven or eight starters next year be portal guys. And in the short term, Elijah, uh, I, I don't want to call it a Band-Aid, but maybe it can be a cast for where you're at in some areas development-wise. And maybe maybe this, this 2022 season, off-season, is the pause button you need if you're Nebraska to get some better talent in that can help you win now. And then you do what you need to do and that's developed for years to come. It'll buy you time to do so. Still got to go win ball games. Still got to start off on the right foot in Dublin. All those things are true. You still got to find a quarterback. Your offense got to be good, yada, yada, yada. But this, whether you hate it or love it, this is the new. And Nebraska has been able to take advantage. We'll see if it can translate to wins and more time for everybody to be here development win get back on track i mean that's that's how i look at this here i look at Pitt's situation and i they've got a right to be hacked off but it's happening to other schools well you you talk about this offseason being a a cast for nebraska and i I don't think that's what nebraska wants from the transport i don't think that's what the future will hold you don't have a a broken arm for years exactly but i I think nebraska sees this as a band-aid think about the types of guys nebraska could get with the fan support with the coaching staff here if they're going eight and four nine and three as opposed to three and nine or four and eight i mean you'll be able to take the guys you've developed here and say you could really use an impact pass rusher like like they did this year you can go in and just get that one guy who can step up and be a difference maker on your defense when you look at how the portal has gone this offseason i think whenever the nil era started i thought this was going to be more a case of guys like samari Toure, guys coming Mm -hmm. up from the fcs level that have played well want better eyes uh from the nfl and would like to get uh, a chance to be reimbursed for their college while they're here and that's not how it's exactly gone we've seen guys from um coaching staffs uh, have been changing out and guys have been entering the transfer portal and then you all see guys like now jordan addison who are great players at their schools who are saying you know what i want to go have a chance to go win a national title or, or what have you yeah um and, and that's what was a little bit unexpected now, i think that gives nebraska hope for the future when you look at it if you can get some wins going this season next year you've now giving yourselves an extra year of development with some of these young guys on the roster that you have now with with the transfer portal where you look at uh, Nebraska missed so much in the first two years. Now you get a chance to to recoup for another year, uh, to reset, get another year of development. And if you can get that development right, there's not as many holes to fill in the transfer portal. You you can spend all your time and effort going on a a couple impact guys that can take you from, say, an 8-4 and team to a a 10-2 or an 11-1 team. Keep, Keep mowing the yard, right? Keep going in the right direction. What has gotten Nebraska... To where they're at right now, the the players that are good, the players that did hear their name Sunday or did ink a deal in free agency. Well, the the thing that Nebraska has been known for the last few years is well transition. There's been coaching change the last several years, right? But Nebraska is also known for fan base loyalty, and just quite honestly, uh, you can go there play ball and be uh, you know, put on a pedestal. You can get your education. I mean, all those things are important. There's, it, it's, it's a multi-layered pitch. But it hadn't been about winning or playing for championships in a long time. So what's Nebraska's in been? They've had to find other reasons 
aside from, well, hey, come help be a difference maker to get us back in that, that win column and bowl column and conference title column, well, that's still to be determined. Can, can it happen sooner rather than later? Yeah, uh, to, to go for that place of we'll get eyes on you from the NFL, you, you'll, you'll be playing in a better conference, you'll have better scouting on tape uh, for these what's NFL What's your teams. selling's different, right? You go from that to you're the guy who's going to come in and help us win a conference title. You're the guy who's going to come in and help us win the West, get to a conference title, maybe go play in a Rose Bowl. That, that's what the selling point Nebraska is trying to get to, as you said. Yeah, and, and the other side of this, too, is you know be a guy that can compete against like NFL talent and showcase yourself. So... With Nebraska and the portal, they've been very active. They've been very good. Will it pay off in performance on Saturdays? It it has to. It needs to. But teams like Alabama and Georgia specifically are are slow to, to get collectives together. Same with Clemson. Because right now, if you're great and you want to win, you're going to go there anyway. Right, you're going to go there anyway, and we don't need to wow you with name, image, and likeness. We're not going to prevent you from doing it, but your priority is to come here, go in, and if you play on my line of scrimmage, you're going to go to the NFL. That's that's all Nick Saban's got to do. And quite honestly, uh, I think for the good of college football, it's good to hear for the sport's long-term future hear folks frustrated and upset and wanting change and wanting rules and wanting parameters that's all necessary so it's not just a long-term bidding war situation Uh, but the other part of it too is they're in power they're going to the college football playoff lane kiffin's 10 and 2 at old miss uh, when he's in a normal year right is he's trying to build the bigger and better uh, this this NIL and portal combination uh, is is a danger to their power uh, right now because again you can buy your way in so it's pretty fascinating with this ESPN article and Jordan Addison and uh, pretty much how college football's been reshaped and Nebraska's been able to adapt and uh, and offer and be on the forefront of NIL that's been a difference maker I don't think it's been the key difference maker but it, it's it's the hook that has been baited okay uh to at least attract some sort of eh, there's some mild interest let's go check out nebraska and then bam once you get a kid here uh it'll sell itself and uh the atmosphere speaks for itself so pretty good stuff we'll dive into some college football thoughts with brandon vogel but just think of where nebraska uh can be this fall because of the portal we know that nebraska's lost guys to the portal uh but you've also made some key additions nebraska right now on the plus side uh with uh projecting where a drew or a mathis can be a tommy hill a trey palmer uh a, a kicker in bleak road bushini right your punter uh in the name of special teams and uh, we'll see if Nebraska's done uh, adding. Uh, anxious to see where a couple of potential Bama prospects don't want to f- forget uh, the quarterback situation. A.J. Allen, the, the TCU player. Uh, you've got uh, Pretty, of course, uh, that is making his way from, uh, from Florida State and compete, will compete for the quarterback spot along with Thompson. So it's a, it's a good situation for Nebraska to 
I'll be able to adapt to and make the changes. Uh, 466-377-6800-825-5865. How many streaming services uh, do you have, and how many are you going to need to watch the NFL, Elijah? Uh, Think about that. ESPN Plus is going to exclusively have Elijah's Denver Broncos in San Francisco. But uh, moving forward, you're going to need ESPN Plus. I think a lot of us have it. You're You're going to need the NFL Network. You're going to need Amazon. You're going to need Amazon. And you're just going to be able to need some sort of service provider that will have ESPN or Fox for you. I wish Sunday Ticket would have all the games from all the different streaming services, but they don't. It's really annoying. Well, the Red Zone, though. Red Zone's great. It's it's pretty sweet. Brandon Vogel, next on Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Gary Barnett, Brendan Stye. Next time, we welcome in managing editor, HaleVarsity.com and magazine. His book with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion. Brandon Vogel with his head, Brandon L. Vogel. Vogue's been an interesting week of college football. There's some screaming down in Arizona. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. It, it, it has been an easy week here, I thought. Uh, you know, <clears throat> having gone through this for the first time, really, this year, I thought maybe uh, we'd get to May 1st, and that would be uh, – we'd have a fury right right up to the deadline, and then things would, would cool off a little bit. But, uh, no, I guess I was wrong about that. No, there needs to be uh, some some fence mending, it sounds like, with, with the administrators and college coaches. Uh, uh, just there, There's a lot of complaining going on because people have been raided. People have been poached. They're not happy. And uh, it's, a, it's a sobering reality. No, good, no matter how good your program is or how good a year you had, this uh, Jordan Addison decision uh, scared a lot of programs. It could be us next where we lose our stud. I'm looking at it a little bit differently as we tried to talk about in the first segment. You know, I, as active as Nebraska has been in the portal, if they hit – if they hit, it could be, I don't know, could it be that launch opportunity for Nebraska? And I'm not talking crazy, but I'm talking at least be uh, be a, a much different outcome, feel, and vibe next year compared to the last four seasons because of the, because of the portal, because you were good with NIL and uh, you've been able to go bring in potentially – I don't know, seven, eight starters for next season through the portal. Yeah, it's, you know, college football has always been a sport of the haves and the the have-nots. And, you know, the, the gray area between those two categories is, you know, 
it can get pretty pretty broad. But the the group of halves is is always really small, right? So how many teams start a season with a realistic shot to to win a national championship with the way the sport currently operates? Six, like maybe fifteen, and of that, say five or six are like could really do it. Um, and I think when you look at so you look at Pitt with with Addison, they Pitt had their dream season last year, right? And Pat Narduzzi has been there. Uh, the administration has been patient as he's kind of built that thing and kind of all came together for them. I think that's the piece that potentially gets hurt the most in this transfer portal area era is. Does the, the the wall between the haves and the have-nots get even a little bit higher? Because in the case of this, you've got the Bolitnikoff Award winner uh, who, who happened to do that at Pitt. Pitt did a great job to get him and, and to identify him. There's always going to be, uh, you know, a USC, an Alabama, a Georgia, whoever the, the powers that be are at that moment. A guy like that's proven himself. If he wants to just go and truly pursue a, a national title with a realistic shot at it, there's like five or six places that, that hold most of the chips. So it gets, uh, you know, it gets interesting quickly. I also look at kind of lightning in a bottle in Mel Tucker. What does Mel Tucker do in year three? Because he was either right or, well, first <laughs> to, to have such a hit rate with uh, the roster attrition and addition and bang, they go 11-2 and two and finish top 10. It, it was super impressive. But yet we know that they were, they were an eyelash here or there in a lot of ball games, specifically Nebraska, from probably, okay, 7-5, uh, and 6-6. Six and six. They were probably good enough to be a bowl team, for sure. But were they 11-2 and two top 10, uh, the one of two teams to beat Michigan? I mean, think about... Think about being right in a couple of key spots, what it can do for you. And and I don't know if it's fool's gold or if it's a, a launching pad moment for, for him to kind of keep Michigan State back in that echelon where they were under the D'Antoni years. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good example. You know, with as well as they did in the transfer portal at the very early stages. So I think Mel Tucker's, you know, big advantage and, and this, you know, there were people writing stories about this this, this past fall as Michigan State kind of emerged as a, you know, 11 win type of team of like, they recognized early that this is kind of akin to NFL free agency and jumped on it right away. Everybody knows that now, like we're watching it play out in front of our eyes, particularly these last, these last couple of weeks. So does that advantage, has it already been eroded? Is, is the, the life cycle of these things that quick? And it, and it, it might be. And, you know, it's teams like that, that that have, you know, jumped up. And so if you're Michigan State, you're like, nobody thought anything of us going into 2021, basically written off, uh, get to 11, 11 wins. And, yes, they were probably a seven-win team that won 11 games, which – you'll take over being a 7-1 team to 1-3. Uh, Nebraska would trade spots with them in a heartbeat, of course. But, um, you know, for, for teams like that, you know, the fan base is like, okay, that was amazing. Now let's build on that. It's really hard to build on that if, you know, your best players are going to be at risk of just getting snapped up by somebody who's already further ahead, I think. And that, so far, 
you know, a lot's going to change and continue to change with this transfer portal, portal era. But that's where things kind of look like they're at to me right now. It's the teams that are trying to build something where this has the potential to be a, a pretty big hurdle for them. Now, Brandon, I- I'm going to go there. If Nebraska were to have the kind of pop in 2022 that Michigan State had last season, what kind of impact do they need to get from these transfers? Um, I mean... Or are we talking all-conference all performances, or are, are we talking just solid starters, guys coming and filling in? I mean, I think you probably need, if you could get to all-conference performance, it'd actually be interesting to go back and look and see, like, what Michigan State ended up with in, in terms of guys on the first or second team. I mean, obviously, Kenneth Walker. You know, if you get a success story like that, whether it's from a, a Palmer or a Mathis or, you know, much less a quarterback in in Casey Thompson, presumably, like, that's a, a heck of a start. I think if you got two of those guys and, and the rest of them kind of played to what you, what you expected based on where they've been, you'd be in a pretty good spot. Um, and, you know, football's the, the ultimate team game. The, the NFL draft and its relationship to college always kind of reminds me of that every year. But it, it doesn't take much. Like, Nebraska got solid starter QB play, and you, you had a Trey Palmer or a Garcia Castaneda or, you know, any of these guys that are at kind of the more of a splash play position. I mean, quarterback is that too, but I'm just – the bar is high to do that at quarterback. Um, you get one or two of those, and I think you've really – like, you have had a winning season in terms of your transfer additions if that happens. Absolutely, you have. So let's talk a little bit here uh, with Nebraska as you look at the projected spots filled by portal guys. And you look at the situation with uh, Nebraska needing to win. I'm curious to, uh, to get your take on the development. The guys that we know and we think the coaches like that are just a year away that need to contribute this year. Can Nebraska, can that that pause button with, okay, you go get a guy like O'Shine, you go get a guy like Drew, presumably Nebraska gets another portal defensive tackle next to Robinson, okay? That way you, you can continue to groom Polar Bear unless he just goes and wins the job. That's possible too. I mean, there's a slew of guys yeah. that have been recruited that we think can be good, but it may be a, a, an ask, a, a, too early of an ask in year two or year three with one of them being COVID where you didn't have a developmental year to, to be able to make that jump. Can Nebraska do work between now and the end of next season or at least midway through next season with some of these guys on the lines of scrimmage that were actually recruited out of high school? You would certainly hope so. So Nebraska's additions, you know, over the past week have, have certainly helped. They were much needed. And, and I like both of those players quite a bit. Um, you know, with Drew, like, it's, it's, it's not the flashy get that, that Mathis was. And it, it's just never going to be playing on the interior of the defensive line. But I, but I really like, you know, what I saw of him at Texas Tech. Um, so, so that was a good one. And, you know, so you go from a situation where prior to, to him, you're basically looking at this as, I mean, this was kind of true before 
uh, or at the start of spring football where it's like, boy, there's a lot to like about Nash Huttmacher, but he has to be really, really good, like right now. Um, and, and this gives you a little bit more leeway with that. But this season still with as patient as Nebraska was with a lot of those guys that had signed in the, the previous three recruiting classes, this year to me was always going to be one where it's like, okay, it's time to see. Like you, you took your time with those guys, and that's, that's good. It's kind of a luxury if you can do that. Um, but it's got to show up at some point, and that point is probably now. So you, you look at a guy like Huttmacher or some of those other young defensive linemen, that's a tough spot to, to really jump into and be ready to go if you're not actually ready to go. It's a little bit easier, I think, at some other spots. So the more, I guess, I think Marcus Buford had a great spring. The more guys we see like him, that's kind of the more traditional path, right, where you come in, you contribute on special teams, you, you, you put in the work, you, you do a good job. Once the depth chart opens up a little bit, you're ready to go and, and to take your shot at, at making your own name and playing the position that technically you, you play. Um, so getting a mix of those, if you can fill in those kind of immediate slash unforeseen holes that you have in a roster via the transfer portal and still get the other piece, the developmental piece, that's where you want to be, you know, which is no great insight, but it, it, and we'll, we'll find out. The 2022 season is a really interesting test of that for Nebraska. Brandon, before we get you out of here, got to go Kentucky Derby. Does the little guy have any picks for us? <laughs> we have not. We have not started uh, our Kentucky Derby research yet. So maybe by the Saturday morning show, we'll we'll get the racing form out. And uh, it only took me about I don't know six or seven months to figure out how to use the how to read the racing form. So I'll try to get that. Uh, translated for him by Saturday so we can uh, we can have something ready. Vogues, he is going to pick the winner for me Saturday morning because I got a derby okay. party to hit at uh, Iowa Russ's house Saturday night. I got the pink tie picked out. It's going to be awesome, but I'm going to need Junior's pick. Okay, we'll, we'll be ready by Saturday. All right, Vogues, thanks for your time today. All right, thanks a lot, guys. Hello, listener. This is Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at HaleVarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time, Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal will check in with Brendan Stye on Day by Day and also talk to the uh, Pipeline member, All-American, about uh, his role with Nebraska development briefly on that. And and then uh, Gary Barnett, he may have an idea (laughs) as to why things have gone as sideways as they have with 
college football recently and uh, the why. That's a question being asked right now by uh, some Oklahoma fans, some Cleveland fans. Baker Mayfield, did he move the needle for you when he was picked number one overall in 18? I was kind of shocked. I thought he'd be a first-round guy, but I thought because of who was picking him, more so than some question marks about his height and translation to the NFL, that was the bigger scare for me. Oh, God, Cleveland's drafting another quarterback. I mean, they draft one every other year, it felt like, in the first round. And Baker Mayfield was and is, because he's still a Brown, surrounded with a dream setup. Think about that. Think about what he's got on defense. Think of how they've drafted defensively. Uh, think of what they are on the offensive line with Bill Callahan. Think of what they are <laughs> with with Chubb at running back. And think of the receiving core he's had around him. Now, some of that's dissipated, but they went and traded for Dallas as number one. And it's it's a fascinating read as to how and why and what went south with Baker Mayfield and Cleveland. So things were, were botched during the NFL draft where Cleveland and Carolina were going to do a deal. Carolina demanded make that Cleveland uh, demanded Carolina reset. You had it right the first time. Okay, yeah. 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 So Carolina demanded. Carolina demanded that the majority of that $19 million guaranteed was picked up by Cleveland. We'll take your quarterback off your hands. You've already got Watson. Sure, we'll do it. We'll pull the trigger here. We'll, we'll take on two quarterbacks because we're not sure about Darnold. But you got to foot the bill. And Carolina's like, <laughs> didn't go anywhere that way. And they went and, and traded up for, for Corral out of, out of Ole Miss. So as, we've re- as we rewind a little bit, I mean, you have insult and injury. You have a, a labrum that he played with since week two. And you have Baker kind of showing his alleged personality. You talk to people down in Oklahoma. You talk to folks around the NFL. Baker's really good when things are great. We've heard the term front running. But there was a lot of adversity. And there was issues in the front office. He pretty much got OBJ dropped. And that absolutely infuriated the locker room. And Baker did it. Why? Because OBJ's dad went on Twitter in November and blasted him about not throwing to his son when he's wide open or when he did throw it to him, it was a crappy pass. I think Baker's issue was injury last year, first and foremost. He'd been at 82% completion percentage pre-injury. He's the same guy that got him to the AFC championship game. You have Miles Garrett off the edge. You've got Nick Chubb. You've got that O-line. You have situations where Baker didn't have to go win it for you. He just had to make plays in, in normal football to the receiving core or lean on a running game and have one of the best pass rushers in the NFL to go get the other guy on third down. Cleveland was there, and then he got hurt. And then 
he couldn't take the criticism or didn't want to take the well, criticism. And, and Baker here felt that at the end of this season, Cleveland was just putting him in bad spots in order to... He can't to, say that publicly. He can't he, say it publicly, he, but he said he thought that they were... They're trying Dry, to make him purposely look bad. drawing up bad offensive game plans for teams in order to make him look bad, to put more of the game plan onto him whenever he had a bad shoulder. And and while it could be true, I doubt it. Something tells me that That's, Cleveland, that Cleveland is, would have preferred to win. They those wanted games. to go to the playoff. That's what I'm they saying. They wanted to go to the playoffs. You throw your coach under the bus, you throw OBJ under the bus, your final game, uh, <laughs> you're sacked nine times. You're you're nervous anyway going into last season because they refused to pick up make that they refuse to to give you an extension they picked up your fifth year option which is good but they didn't extend you so that means there was some uncertainty and it's probably behavior related because he's not really been injury prone but man it's just a mess down there up there in cleveland i mean and, and to show you how thing how bad things got last season one player was asked anonymously after uh, odell beckham's dad released that video on instagram and went on his old tirade he was asked if uh, he had seen the video of, Big, or of uh, OBJ's dad, and he responded, why would I watch the video? I see it every day in practice. I see bad throws or no throws. And that's just showing you how bad things got last season in Cleveland. It, it was uh, as soon as OBJ was, was let go, seems like he was a real popular guy around the locker room. As soon as that happened, it was just bound to fail. What made OBJ popular, and he's like the last guy I'd pick to be popular in a locker room. He's done a lot of growing up. He's been humbled since New York to Cleveland, okay? There's a rookie that that forgot his cleats, and rather than risk this poor kid getting cut, OBJ took him under his wing, gave him a pair of cleats, and that really kind of impressed some of the vets in the locker room. And it sounds like that wasn't a one-time thing where OBJ was taking guys to his house and saying, yeah, all this stuff in my closet, I don't wear it anymore. If you want it, take it. So that's kind of a new, gentler OBJ. On top of taking some positive from New York and sitting with everybody around the team, you, you hear coaches in college in Nebraska talk about coaches and different players sitting with different position groups to get to know everybody. Well, OBJ brought that to Cleveland and, and started making that a reality within their team during lunchtime meals between practices and meetings. Well, and it's crazy because it felt like during the season last last year, the the whole uh, internet and, and media personalities and everyone seemed to think OBJ was the problem in Cleveland. He was the guy. And, and that's what the, this that's public That's got to be persona. the PR team helping feed that narrative. And that's the other... That's the other truth that's come out. OBJ's probably a changed guy, and if we're going to say who's been the bad guy, it's it's, it's been Baker. It's been Baker, and that's goes flies completely in the face of everything we thought we knew about this Browns team last year. And we, we got it backwards. We thought OBJ was the problem, and Baker Mayfield was trying to keep totally the team wrong. afloat, and it was the other way around. Totally wrong. It was totally wrong on on OBJ, and then Cleveland, uh, they were so ready to move on from him. Who's the quarterback that you wouldn't touch with a thousand foot pole last year? Deshaun Watson. Pre draft, they sent out a flyer, knowing they could get him at a way reduced rate. And and that's who they center on. They had a very quick conversation heading into the draft with Baker's people. Listen, we're uh, in the works for, for Deshaun Watson, despite his legal issues. Uh, we are in contact with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, we are in contact with Russell Wilson's people. 
So uh, the uh, nail has not been struck yet, but it's uh, it's on top of the coffin. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, Brendan Stye on the way. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Podcast, get the podcast, subscribe to the podcast. Incredible setup of uh, shows for you at Herdat. And uh, we're happy to be a part of that. Also on demand, ESPNLincoln.com with Hale Varsity Radio. So subscribe to us, give a rating to us, good, bad, or ugly. We'll take the feedback. Always appreciate that. And uh, just check it out when you want. Uh, obviously live four to six, but uh, when you're on the go, uh, dial us up. Uh, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, the family of Heard Ad Podcast, 60 and counting, incredible. Uh, the Straight Up Breakdown, Greg Smith, uh, the Hale Varsity uh, Varsity Club podcast with uh, Dr. Petey, Derek Peterson, uh, Brandon Vogel's podcast, Aaron Sorensen, Jacob Bedella, Damon Benning, of course, and Jacob's got a couple of pods got to check out, and uh, Nick Baugh, along with uh, uh, Matt Schick, uh, and then the Baugh podcast, so all of those you can subscribe to, download, listen to, and uh, make Hale Varsity Radio Part of your daily pod uh, experience. Should we get somebody qualified for a schmooker? Well, I don't see why not. This thing's incredible. If you're in Lincoln, uh, zoom on over to Capitol Patio and the Flame Shop. Check out the Smoky Mountain Cooker Smoker. Uh, also, Russ is hooking you up with a $100 gift card. That's incredible. Uh, drawing is towards the end of May you get to call, qualify four times a day on uh, ESPN Lincoln. So at 9 and 10 a.m. here locally with Morning Hookup with Hooksy and uh, Willie J. And then in the 4 o'clock and, and next hour, we'll have another chance for you to qualify uh, as well. But we'll See, take- I love that. We haven't even announced what caller number we're taking yet, and we already got people calling in. Well, who the hell doesn't want a smoker? Well, you know what I've been wanting to try recently? What? I've heard... I want the flat top. Oh, the flat top's great. <laughs> I, I got a recipe playing this weekend for the flat top. But I've heard smoked Cheez-Its is incredible. You take a box of Cheez-Its, throw a little olive oil on there, and, and stir it around so with a barbecue really? rub. I've heard barbecue rub with a little olive oil on top of your Cheez-Its, smoke them up for an hour. I've heard they're just delicious. That is something. See, we have about seven boxes of Cheez-Its at the start of the week, Monday. By Wednesday, they are gone because that is Junior's addiction. Try smoking them up some, some for him. I wanted to go with the, the Parmesan kind, Ooh. but he, he's, he's kind of the, uh, the toasted Cheez-It mm-hmm. uh, connoisseur there. But yeah, I got to try that. I got to get the smoker dialed up there. You can get qualified for a smoker right now, though. The Smoky Mountain Cooker Smoker with Capital Patio and the Flame Shop. Also, the meat gift certificate from Russ's Market. Take caller nine right now, 48, hold on, 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Caller nine qualifies right now to uh, beef up your backyard with ESPN Lincoln. Caller 9 makes it happen. Uh, Elijah will get your info down. We'll throw your name in the box, and away we go for the end of May uh, for that uh, grand prize drawing. Go check it out. Go see what you can win at Capital Patio and the Flame Shop, and uh, go ahead and do a 
Good old flyby Russ's market as well. But uh, good luck to you. Collar 9 now qualifies. Brendan Stye, Pipeline All-American Development Man. We'll talk day by day with Stye. Next, Gary Barnett, next hour, Tail Varsity. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's Hale Varsity. Dot com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back into it at Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Day by day comes out next week. An incredible documentary on Nebraska football. And we welcome in Husker Hall of Famer, part of the pipeline, All-American, that uh, first championship season under Coach Osborne and Director of Development at Nebraska, Brendan Stye with us. Brendan, good to talk with you. It's been a while. How you doing? Doing well. Thanks for having me on. Well, let's dive into this documentary, and uh, you're part of the the trailer, and uh, a lot to, to talk about with this. And I want to get your take on on culture. What was Nebraska football for you, walking in for that first time as a recruit, then now a Husker? You know, I mean, it was uh, for me culture wise, it was completely different uh, coming from the West Coast. Um, but that was one of the things that drew me to Nebraska was how different it was. Uh, not only, um, you know, environment, uh, obviously, um, what was, what was happening, uh, with the football program, uh, the, the players that were coming in, uh, really kind of a melting pot national recruiting base. Um, you know, and, and for me, like any, I think any freshman coming into it, you're, you're kind of like eyes wide open and kind of deer in the headlights. Uh, so, um, you know, as, as the years went on, I, I really believe that the culture changed. It shifted, um, you know, as we got to, you know, my final years at Nebraska, it really felt like everything was coming together um, uh, much different than anything I had ever experienced before and really have, you know, moving into the NFL and being a professional, I've never experienced anything like it. When was the tipping point? Why did it tip to championships versus great seasons where you're ranked you're nine and three why did it flip forward you know i think uh, there was a shift um about my junior year nebraska had obviously a lot of success in its in its past and the tradition there but it seemed to me that uh, every time we got to a bowl game uh, we just could not get over the hump you know, and it wasn't good enough just to get to a bowl game. And I think after that game uh, versus Florida State, wide left, um, it was pretty much cemented that we were going to turn right around, uh, prepare like we had always prepared, uh, work even harder, 
and with really one goal in mind, that was to not only uh, get it done on the field, but get it done off the field. And that meant off-season workouts, uh, winter conditioning, uh, summer conditioning, uh, guys just bought in. And the culture um, really had to kind of mend together, um, you know, both defense and offense, black, white, you name it. Everybody had to come together, and we had to be one. And that was the unity that we had, I think, overall, uh, with the hard work that we put in, um, the determination of getting back to that national championship game, um, everybody was bought in. And by my senior year, uh, it was a well-oiled machine. Brendan Stye with us, Hale Varsity Radio, longtime NFLer, of course, Husker Hall of Famer. Day by day, the documentary next week at the Rococo. You can get your movie tickets, daybydaymovie.com. You, you mentioned unity. Who were some leaders in that locker room? that maybe bridged the racial gap, if there was one? You know, uh, there was kind of a, an unspoken um, gap there. Um, but we had some great leaders, both black and white. Um, you know, just to mention a few, Trev Alberts, you know, my, my junior year, um, guys like Ed Stewart, um, across the board, you know, we had some tremendous leaders. And I think um, – you know, once we got to the point where we knew we were good enough to win after that Florida State game, everybody, you know, we didn't see color. And I think uh, my senior year, uh, you know, with all differences set aside, everybody had one goal in mind. Uh, but the leadership, it really started with that. I think Coach Osborne really felt like when we started the Unity Council, um, that gave the, the players a little bit of um you know, not necessarily power, uh, but accountability amongst um, its peers, you know. And then, you know, I think everybody bought into that. Not, not everybody can be a leader, uh, but you also have to be a great follower. And we had great teammates. Um, you know, that locker room was pretty tight. Brett, was it tense, intense, the, the quarterback dynamic? I mean, it was a remarkable season in 94 to go undefeated, win the national championship, beat Miami incredible Miami team uh, but you, you had Brooke come in and, and play great football you had Tommy go out because of injury and then uh, both quarterbacks did an, just an amazing job in the in the win in the Orange Bowl yeah you know and I think uh, you know it's been talked about nauseam um, you know what happened there and and certainly I think with Tommy going down um, you know there was some there was a pause in, in whether or not we could get over the hump uh, but that was just a credit to uh, not only a team coming together and picking up, uh, you know, where there was going to be a drop-off, but also with Brooke. You know, Brooke was a guy that was very patient, hardworking, uh, had all of the skills, um, you know, that Tommy had. Tommy certainly was probably one of the best, if not the best, college option quarterback ever to play the game. Um, but Brooke had his, you know, had his skills as well. Um, you know, and so... You know, if you look at the season uh, and, and how much diversity that we actually had, um, you know, and getting over the hump, you know, Brooke goes down, and we've got uh, Terman who comes in, um, uh, Terminator, who, uh, you know, pretty much was asked to do everything except, uh, you know, hey, don't make a mistake. And, you know, guys like that, um, you know, when asked to do something, whether it was the coaches or the players, guys just stepped up. 
and because of that, you know, I, I really believe, um, you know, on top of how we prepared and the conditioning that we, we put ourselves through, uh, not only what the coaches and the strength and conditioning coaches made us do, but stuff that we were doing outside of uh, the facility uh, and even after practice, you know, um, the holding each other accountable. And, um, you know, I think everybody had their role. And, and certainly those two guys uh, played a tremendous role in that season. And it was, it was really amazing to see, you know, how it all unfolded because, you know, that last, that last game, uh, it came down to Coach Osborne having to make a decision on who was going to be the starter. And like he had always done, everybody was challenged in scrimmages. And how well you played was uh, a direct reflection of how much you played. Um, you know, so those scrimmages were important leading up to, and it's funny because you look at Miami, and how they prepared, you know, I've heard multiple uh, sources tell me that, uh, you know, they didn't even practice uh, more than 10 days uh, leading up to that game and didn't even scrimmage. I mean, shoot, here we were two weeks before we left for Miami. We had already had three scrimmages in the bag, which was very typical, uh, you know, for bowl preparation and what Coach Osborne and his staff always put us through. Brendan, you had a lot of satisfying wins in 94, uh, I think of the Colorado game. I think of the Orange Bowl, obviously. Uh, is an underrated gem that K-State road win? I think so. I, I think uh, K-State was in prime position to beat us in Manhattan. Um, they had a really good team, great quarterback, Chad May, um, really good receiver in Lockett, and their defense was underrated. They had quite a few guys on that defense uh, that actually had uh, pretty decent professional career careers, whether it was arena football or in the NFL. Um, you know, and, and really, if you look at that game, our defense, uh, thank God for them. Uh, they, uh, they won the game for us. Uh, I think late in the game, we had a turnover. Troy Dumas, um, that was kind of the, the shift there for us. But, you know, I think with Kansas State, uh, maybe they were looking a little bit ahead, thinking that, you know, because we didn't have – both of our starting quarterbacks, uh, Tommy and Brooke, and, you know, having a an offensive line that, uh, you know, I mean, really was kind of the strength of the defense. They could really focus on our running game and shut it down because that option game really wasn't there. Um, you know, we, we took it as a challenge and went into that game, and I think our defense did as well, and that was what I think made us so great because both, both sides of the ball complemented each other. If the defense wasn't playing well, Offense went out and and scored uh, as many points as we could. If the offense couldn't score, the defense held the offense, the opposing offense. And God forbid if both were were humming. Uh, Because, uh, you know, you saw, I think, um, that next year, uh, a a byproduct of both sides humming at top notch. And uh, the points they put on guys was amazing. Redden Stiles with us. uh, Day-by-day documentary next week uh, premieres. Uh, the Rise, uh, the first uh, feature in this documentary, the story, Brendan Stey, uh, a big part of that with the pipeline and the offensive line. And uh, Brendan, a, a thought from you as you look at it, what you left behind, what did you pay forward to future teams? Yeah, that was one of the things I took a lot of pride in. Um, I think most uh, athletes will tell you when they do leave a program uh, looking back and how, how much success that program has and, and continues to sustain that success. Um, you know, to be quite honest with you, I think that the next year that offensive line was as good, if not better. Um, and they just kept building and compounding on, 
on that success. And, and you know, when I look back and, and how we kind of changed things, um, you know, as far as preparation in the weight room, um, you know, off-season, all those things, those guys, those young guys saw how we worked. And so, you know, they realized if they put in the same type of work um, and dedicated themselves to each other, that they would have success even beyond what we had. What uh, what do you, what do you want Nebraska fans to take away from this this documentary? Well, I think um, you know the story's been told many times. I think what this will do, I think Nebraska fans will have a true understanding of um, you know the nuts and bolts. Uh, you know some of the just the uh, you know not always uh, you know the, the cleanest uh, story, um, <laughs> but uh, certainly we had our own story and. Uh, I think that they'll have a better understanding of really what it took uh, to get over that hump and win that first national championship and the characters along the way. Um, you know, like I said before, when we first started talking is, you know, I played with a lot of guys in, in a lot of years in, in playing football, uh, the group of guys that I was around um, and very unique uh, and very special at the same time. And, and um, just very fortunate to, to have you know the chance to play with those guys. But I think fans will have a better understanding of you know some of the fine details, um, you know, and some of the backstories that uh, went into building that championship level team and that championship level mindset. Um, so I'm really excited. I think uh, there's been a lot of hard work that's been put into this. I think over three years in the making. Uh, there's a lot of information out there. I know they have the two. Uh, feature films, but there's also probably, I think, what they're talking about is a six-part series at some later date uh, being streamed. That sounds incredible for for Nebraska fans, and Brendan Stye is with us day by day, day by day, movie.com is where you go and uh, get your, your tickets for the Rococo next week. You mentioned a lot of characters. Is there a character that you played with that still makes you smile? <laughs> Well, Christian Peter, you know, I mean, here's a guy that came in, um, you know, and had the right mindset uh, from a, a defensive perspective, uh, just kind of pin his ears back and, and play wild. Uh, um, but, uh, you know, I, I think even be, be, before that, you know, you had guys like Kevin Raymakers and Terry Keneally on the defense um, and guys like Doug Coleman uh, at the linebacker position, uh, Ed Stewart. Uh, and then on the offensive side of the ball, you know, Tommy Frazier, you know, all, I mean, all these guys had unique uh, personalities and, and really added to uh, create, um, you know, quite a chemistry that we had in the end there. Last thought, your director of development in Nebraska, Brandon, uh, North Stadium expansion uh, looks incredible. Touch on the work you're doing and, and back at Nebraska. Yeah, it's, it's been a it's been a Long road uh, since we announced uh, the facility, uh, Go Big facility is uh, going to be a game changer in a lot of respects. And one of the things that I love about it, obviously the football aspect, but uh, you know the inclusivity of the student athlete part of this. Uh, it is three levels; it's over 300,000 square feet. Uh, the second level entirely dedicated to the student athlete, um, and so uh, it's been it's been a challenge. Obviously, uh, the pandemic. Uh, us on pause and we had to kind of reshift and, and focus on trying to sustain the revenue um, uh, to you know provide the best possible resources that we possibly can for our student athletes but uh, 
you know, um, being it's a 165, uh, $165 million, excuse me, project, uh, you know, we were tasked at raising over $100 million for it, and uh, we're on track for that. And uh, if you've had a chance to, to see what's going on, uh, it's one thing to look at it on paper, but uh, to put it in to scope uh, and see up, it's, it's quite amazing. And I think we're very fortunate uh, to have the fan base and the support that we've had because without that, uh, I don't know that this gets done. And and uh, I think, um, you know, this is going to impact uh, the student-athlete uh, for decades to come. And quite frankly, uh, with NIL and, and the way that uh, college football is shaping up, uh, we might be one of the last, um, you know, brick-and-mortar facilities built for uh, football um, in particular. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, the marriage between Memorial Stadium and where the new facility is at is very unique. Um, you don't find that in a lot of places. It's it's usually off-site uh, that you've got four- Ball only, or basketball only, or baseball only, and and again, I go back to that inclusivity of the facility and bringing all of the athletes together, and, and kind of having that life skill of, of sharing the journey through college. Brad, and best to you. Thanks for the time today. Hey, I appreciate it, Chris. Keep it up the good work. Good to talk with Brendan Stey, part of the Pipeline Husker Standout uh, Development Director, and. Good to hear his insight. Excited about this documentary a week from today at the Rococo. College football thoughts, NIL portal, how it got to this. Gary Barnett next on Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity. And I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could listen to the radio On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome. Back with you, Tail Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's check in with Gary Barnett, head coach, Colorado and Northwestern. Coach, I may actually get out for the first time this season in Nebraska. It'll stop raining, allegedly, by the weekend and should be good to go. I'm pretty fired up. Are you uh, set up for a tea time this weekend? Yeah, it's pretty much every day. You know, I couldn't live like you do, Chris. I just I just couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I'll take some of the rain. I'll take some of the rain, but uh, I just couldn't live like that. So good luck with all that stuff. We hit on this, it seems like, uh, every Thursday. But I, I got to ask you this. As you see it, why did it get so messy with Portal and NIL and then the NCAA? Why didn't the NCAA not say, okay, the American Football Coaches Association four years ago proposed a portal window why now i mean they're adopting it now because it's it's a nightmare but why has it been so hard do you have an answer at all on any of that on the portal you know that was created and went into effect a couple of years i don't think everybody knew how to use it it was moving along there were unintended consequences to it but there wasn't money involved Mm -hmm. now that there's money involved with the nil 
then now it's gone to a level that nobody could control. And I don't think the NCAA, you know, the NCAA had a committee. They were working on NIL, uh, and they were – they were a year away from making a presentation when everything happened. Mm. The, the court ruling came out, and all of a sudden, the laws that were going to go into effect in July and in many of the states uh, came to fruition. Mm. And so I don't think the NCAA had a chance to really sit down and hammer it out. They were in the process of trying to figure out the best way to police it and the best way to word it and um, the best way to put some parameters around it so they never got a chance to do it. And I think they were limited because there was not a federal law that said this is how it should work. So uh, they then were thrust into trying to police 32 different states who had 32 different laws Mm -hmm. and another 18 that had no laws at all. So I don't think they ever got a chance to throw their arms around it and work it through. It just happened so fast. But the portal, you know, until until money got involved, um, we didn't have people leaving so quickly, mm-hmm. so disgruntled. And then I think it, it, it was it's like the virus. Uh, you know, only a few had it in the beginning, and then all of a sudden – Everybody starts seeing that and getting it and seeing the uh, agents and, and coaches and representatives for these players started saying, well, you know, there's, there's a way now that you can actually leave. Um, so the, the, it hasn't been carefully thought, thought, thought out. It has been thrust on everybody quickly. And I just think everybody's got to take a deep breath and, somehow create an agency or a group that has some clout that can create some laws and then enforce them. And it's, it's, it's not going to happen right away. I don't think you've watched the discussions taking place in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody down there, none of the conferences have an answer. They all have different answers, which is much like uh, when the whole portal came out or the whole NIL thing came out some states had it, some states didn't, some states addressed it. So it's it's still that way. And the NCAA has had no firm ground to make a, take a stand on or with in the NIL. Um, you know, the, the early signing date, I think, creates a big problem for, for the portal. Uh, and all that stuff has got to be hammered out, and I don't know where it's going to go. But it looks like to me the early signing date needs to go away. The portal needs to be limited at times. That doesn't seem so difficult. Mm. Um, putting the putting the horse back in the corral after the uh, early signing date. I don't think I don't think the early signing dates created all that much of an advantage for anybody. And so that one's an easy fix, I think, uh, with some some uh, accommodations. But. Uh, the portal's got to have limits on it, and then they've got to figure out the NIL. That's a good explanation. Gary Barnett with us, Hale Varsity Radio. With this task force that um, is set to be being put in place to, to help sanction NIL, that's going to be a, a tight 
tight walk for administrators, ADs, coaches in some instances, isn't it? I mean, boosters are there, and, and a lot of places have great boosters, and then there's places that have boosters that try and run the show, and uh, it's their want and will over people that are actually working and doing a job, and, and you, you clash heads from time to time. Can can it be done to to put a police force together, for lack of a better term, and you know, with the with NIL sanctions, can can you get the genie back in the bottle for this pay for play thing? I, I don't I don't think so, Chris. I I think that uh, it's heading in one of two directions. I think either one of these conferences is going to start paying players out of the rev- out of a shared revenue. Mm-hmm. And once that happens, then then it's going to pare down the number of teams who really want to who want to pay that kind of money out of their revenues uh, could afford it. You know, we all this conversation, a lot of this conversation has to do with about in reality about 15 teams. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, and it, uh, it's it's the upper it's the it's it's one it's three percent of the whole college football population that we're really talking about here, and so uh, I think we got somebody's got to sit back and say, "No, wait a minute, what? What? We're doing all this because of three percent of all the college football players? You know, really? Is, is that where we want this whole thing to go? So I think it's got to go in that direction, or um, the NFL is going to have to jump in somehow with inducements because they're not going to do it for nothing, but mm-hmm. somehow create uh, a league, developmental league, in which all the kids who really don't want to go to school but want to go make money and want to chant, want to try to get the NFL or think they can and have been projected to be able to do it, be NFL guys. And, and then – Everybody else gets gets stuck with the you know the the other uh, I'm going to say 95 percent of the players. You'll have five percent of the players go to the go to the developmental league, and the rest of the college programs will have the other 95 percent. And there's you know I, I believe that there'd be enough interest, and I believe there'd be enough quality play in that other 95 percent to j- keep uh, generating interest and keep the interest in college football alive, and there would be enough television time to make that happen. But I, it's got to be one of those two things. It's going to be one of those two things, is what I should say. Gary Barnett's with us. You look at the TV projected uh, deals for rights for the SEC and the Big Ten. There's a good chunk of teams there that, that make a lot of money for their schools. And then you've got everyone else. You've got Oklahoma, Texas leaving. You've got SC trying to kind of come back. Uh, in the Pac-12 with a new commissioner there. Interesting times. Coach, Nebraska had a pretty good weekend uh, on the uh, recruiting front as Mathis picking Nebraska over Texas and some more info from him. It was really uh, the opportunity uh, against Big Ten talent and just how how comfortable he felt. I mean, NIL, I'm sure, played a part, but I don't know how big a part it played. It didn't sound like that was a main factor or the factor 
Uh, Nebraska also getting a, a transfer from Texas Tech and Drew that's got a number of snaps in, in Power 5 play. So Nebraska able to upgrade their defensive line. From a defensive standpoint, Nebraska will have a good problem getting different guys on the field on pass rush situations. Was there anything you liked to do or was a specialty with some of your defenses to, to get some of those difference makers on the field if you had a number of them? Well, yeah, if, you have, if you've got a number of them, especially up front uh, or on the edges, you you uh, you create a package which you take two of those edge guys and get them inside because they're really, while they're hard to handle outside, they're really a, a, a problem for some of those guys that play offensive guard. And so you can cover up a center and two guards with, with those kinds of edge players that have that kind of quickness, then then I think that's what you do. You you know you're you probably got a couple edge players now that more than one or more than two, and so you can get the best guy in the game by getting him inside. Um, and, and the other thing is to stand him up and let him go where he wants to go. So yeah, there's all sorts of creative ways you can do it. Gary Barnett with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, uh, last thought, are, are you a, a big Ozark fan streaming uh, Netflix? Are, are you into any series at all? <laughs> I can't believe you asked me that question. We watched three of them last night, and it, it was so late when we finished the third one. And the next one, which will be a C-15, <laughs> I can't believe we didn't stay up and watch it, but we're gonna we're we're gonna watch it tonight. So yeah, I'm a big Ozark fan. I wasn't when it first started because it was too familiar. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, I'm going. You know, this isn't this isn't making my people look very good. And uh, and then we went to Big Cedar Lodge last year down in uh, at Table Rock okay. in Branson, and I thought, you know, I've got to watch this show before I go down there. And so then we got hooked on it. And so, yeah, are you watching that? I, I finished it, man. I finished it two nights ago. Oh, uh, well, don't tell me. No, I won't. I won't. Just, I won't. Oh, got shot last night, so I, I'm, I'm waiting for the next one. Gary Barnett with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, thanks for the time. All right, Chris. Good being with you. Good stuff from Coach Barnett. A uh, little spoiler alert there, so we... Did a quick edit, uh, and uh, he he made me laugh there. He's like, well, that's not a good representation of my people. Uh, coach grew up down near the Ozarks, of course, went to Missouri or Missouri, and uh, pretty funny. Reminder to get buckled up, use your seatbelt. It saves lives, prevents injuries only if properly worn. Buckle up, a message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. And uh, good for him. great take, too, on just how Nebraska will use the different personnel potentially to get after the quarterback. Burke's best bets up next. Danny Burke on the way. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the 
the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe, promo code GBR. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Tail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for Burke's Best Bets. Daddy Burke joins us from VEASAN Sports Network. His show, uh, Rush Hour, each weeknight. And, of course, the Daddy Burke podcast with Musburger and company. Daddy, it's going to be a good weekend, man. Plenty of NHL, NBA, the Derby. I know you got your pink tie already picked out, brother. <laughs> That's right. You know, we've been prepping for this for quite some time, so I'll get the uh, the little hack going, too, and uh, hopefully have ourselves a nice fiesta, not only with the Derby, but like you said, uh, with some NBA and hockey, too. It, it's kind of one of the most underrated weeks, right? Because, I mean, you're also looking at baseball, so... Uh, there's there's never really a dull time for us sports better. Not at all. Uh, I am going to Iowa Russ's Derby Party first time in three years. We can have one out on his deck, and it is going to be glorious. Let's start with the NBA. Golden State and Memphis, how are you feeling after this? It's been incredible drama, but it's been also some, some sweat-out moments. No kidding. I mean, both <laughs> games have really been that way, and Look, Schmitty, game one, the way I, I was kind of just lounging around on Sunday, I was like, yeah, you know, I kind of want to bet. Because usually, you know, unless it's football season, I'll try to take the weekends off and just be more relaxed. But I was like, yeah, I'm sitting here, you know, I'll bet on the game. So I took Warriors money line, and, you know, Draymond got ejected after the first half, and I wasn't feeling too good about it. But I let it ride out, and lo and behold, the Warriors held on, and they won, despite not the best shooting performance from Curry, not the best shooting performance from Clay Thompson, and Jaron Jackson Jr. having an out-of-body experience. So I catch that. I'm looking at game two, and I'm thinking, all right, there's probably not a good chance that Clay struggles as much. Oh, wait, he did, and then some. Curry doesn't have as great of a game. Oh, wait, he did, and then some. And Draymond playing the whole game, which still was fine, and then Jaron Jackson Jr. still didn't, you know, he only put up 12 points and got ejected. But somehow the Warriors still managed to lose that game by what, only like four or five? And the Grizzlies, I think, had like, seven or whatever the heck the number was, more threes in the Warriors, which, you know, seldom has happened since Curry and Clay have been a tandem on that team. It was just so odd to see them so poor. I mean, Curry's banking in a three toward the end, and he can't even believe it because they're so damn rusty. And I don't know what the hell happened with Clay Thompson. That dude is looking like uh, he had whatever the, you know, secret sauce was in Space Jam that makes you play like crap. Or, you know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about, but he just looked terrible. So, I don't know. You saw Moran talking trash at the end of the game, and I'm like, ah, that's probably going to be a mistake. This team's already going to be fired up. They have one of the best home court advantages in the NBA. And then he got this young stud trash talking, arguably the best shooter of all time. I don't think that's going to go over well. And that's indicated by the spread here that we're seeing at about six or six and a half. I think it's a little bit too steep. I do think the Warriors win. But because it's a little bit too high, I would wait for the Memphis Grizzlies to make a run then jump in on uh, Golden State with a better number at some point. But if you're looking for a bet to get involved with now, if you have it available to you, I was looking at some of the different betting numbers here in the state of Illinois. And one of the unique things you can bet with the series, aside from the series price, is the series spread. So, for example, Golden State's minus one and a half, meaning that, you know, they could win in five or they could win in six, and then you would cash your bet, right? Well, I don't really think this series is going to be going seven games. I think it's going to be Golden State winning, but I'm not sure if it's going to be five or six. 
but I feel comfortable enough that it's going to be one of those two that I'm going to lay that series spread price. So it varied from anywhere from minus 125 to minus 180, and that, again, is why you want to make yourself useful to um, or really open all these other books because you can shop the line. So that's what I did. I pretty much bet that the Warriors will cover the one-and-a-half series spread and close this thing out in five or six games. They're too deep. They're going to figure out the shoot, and they're going to take advantage of these games at home to this young team in Memphis that is fun. But, again, let's, re- let's recall what happened in game two. I mean, you know, you needed a 45-point performance out of John Morant. And then in game one, even to keep it close, you needed, what, 33 points from Jaron Jackson Jr.? That's a lot to rely on out of a young, inexperienced team. So find a way to get involved with the Warriors because I got confidence they'll pull it out. Danny, briefly before we go to some NHL action, two games tomorrow, both of these series in line potentially for a sweep, the Heat up 2 nothing, and the Suns up 2 nothing as well. Do you see a sweep happening in either of those series? So with the Heat series, I actually got involved in a lot of different bets. Before Embiid got announced that he was out, I took Miami to win the series minus 170. I thought that was a really cheap price. Even if they had Embiid, Miami's just a way better coach team, way more depth, great defense, and they're very competitive. We know seeing Jimmy Butler almost getting a fight with his own dang teammates on the sideline during the regular season. And now you're missing Joel Embiid. You have Doc Rivers starting DeAndre Jordan for whoever knows what reason why he's doing it, but it's going against him. That's fine with me. Uh, I also bet, aside from that, I did the Heat on the minus one and a half series spread at minus two dollars. I was willing to lay that much because I thought the price should have been minus three fifty. I also took a little exact the price on them to sweep and or win in five because there's enough plus money on each. I did that before game two. Obviously, that value's a little bit gone now. But, yeah, I mean, look, even if MD does come back, this Sixers team just mentally isn't there. James Harden is not the same guy he was before. And this game, I think the spread's almost at a pick them if you want to shop it now. So I get that you think Phillies do maybe make it a gentleman's sweep. I understand it. But since we don't really know what to expect with Embiid, I think you still just got to ride Miami the whole way on the shorter price. Danny, let's go NHL here briefly. As uh, It's been a, a high-scoring playoff so far. I, I believe only one game uh, so far in the playoffs has had less than five goals scored. Is that a trend we can expect to continue? Shall, shall we look into the overs? You know, I mean, with playoff hockey, you always think it's played a little bit more tight. But you're right, there have been some of these explosive games. But what you also have to recognize with that a little bit is that the Avalanche are so good offensively and going against the Predators, they got their backup goalie in, who at this point is the worst goalie playing in the postseason right now. And Colorado's just a different beast. Uh, Minnesota, a team that I actually backed last night, who they won. Look, that series is just going to be very volatile, and Minnesota, one of the best offenses. So it's really all about the matchup. When you talk about the totals, I think it'll start to settle out, and you'll actually see more lower-scoring affairs. I actually took the under in that Pittsburgh and New York Rangers game. I know Pittsburgh's kind of, you know, in shambles in the sense of who their goalie may be coming into tonight because the Smith got injured and the uh, Ming, I think the guy's name is, he came in. But, look, these are two teams that really are that good offensively. Shesterkin, the goalie for the Rangers, is the best in the NHL. I think they're going to be tired from going to triple overtime. So I bet this thing under six. Again, make sure you shop around because a lot of numbers move to five and a half. But that's what I took under six for the Penguins and the Rangers. And then really quick, also the other game, I think the Panthers bounced back. They were the best team record-wise in the NHL. 
best home record. Uh, they lost game one to the Capitals, who are one of the best road teams in hockey. But they've struggled in the first round last year, too. So I think this is going to be a wake-up call. They'll bounce back. And I don't want to lay over $2 with them. So I bet them to win in regulation, a.k.a. the three-way line. And I did that at minus 145 for the Panthers to win in regulation. Danny Burke, Burke's Best, Best V's and Sports Network at Danny Burke 5 on Twitter. Pride of Chicago, about 30 seconds. Uh, what advice is out there that you've heard from your V's and brethren on the Derby? So we got our guide out now if you want more info at VEASAN.com. But a guy that I had on the show yesterday, Sean Alvarez, loves betting the ponies. It might rain a little bit, so I asked him how that could impact it. And he said he didn't really downgrade any horses, but he upgraded some. And the one that he liked, he had a few different bets, but the outright winner he liked was the number 12 horse, Tava, I believe is the name, at 12 to 1 odds. He gives that horse a little bit of a boost because of the kind of wonky weather and just thinks the value's there and the horse is a really good shot at winning outright. So I'll probably take a little bit of a flyer on that and uh, end up dabbling with a bunch of other, you know, random bets. You know how it goes, guys. 12 to 1, make sure that the, uh, the, the tie is fastened and sealed at that derby party. Uh, Daddy, have a great weekend. We'll talk next week. Thanks for the time. Hey, you guys too. Enjoy it. Take care. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HaleVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time, check the podcast out, Hale Varsity Radio, for that media network. Of course, Hale Varsity uh, .com also posts uh, all the podcasts uh, from Hale Varsity. Check those out uh, today. Subscribe iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Give us a rating. And also, don't forget about uh, your chance to, uh, to weigh in with a review. Do so. We'd uh, absolutely appreciate it. Busy day. Big thanks to Gary Barnett. Loved what Coach had to say about the, the two different roads college football could go uh, as, at its current state. Uh, heard from Brendan Stye, day-by-day documentary. Uh, another feature on that. Uh, one of the Husker greats to weigh in on his experience and his thoughts. He's been featured and will be featured in the documentary. Uh, one of the many uh, voices uh, from uh, Nebraska. Good stuff from Brandon Vogel. Love talking ball with him and Danny Burke. Got you set today with the uh, NBA thoughts as well as the NHL. We'll have more on the Derby Saturday with Brandon Vogel and uh, Junior. Vogue's little guy will uh, help us pick a winner for Saturday. You can email the show chris at hailvarsity.com. Tomorrow on the program, Bill Dolman back with us. Right at Fairbury, uh, the usually fr- usual Friday at 5 hit. Steve Mark talked some baseball. And uh, also you had Steve get caught up with Nebraska's uh, newest defensive line addition from the portal. 
So Mr. Drew spent time with Mark. Uh, we'll chat about that. And Jacob Padilla, all things uh, basketball and maybe a little football. Let's get uh, you qualified one more time for beefing up your backyard with ESPN Lincoln. Your chance to qualify now up for grabs that smoky mountain cooker smoker from Capital Patio and the Flame Shop. Also a gift card from Russ's Market to purchase meat for that smoker. Qualify now, end of May is when we'll draw. You can also log on ESPNLincoln.com locally here and wherever you hear us uh, to uh, to put your name in that way online. So get qualified now. Caller 9 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Caller 9 qualifies right now. So... Enjoy a, a run of playoff ball tonight. NHL, of course, should be a good weekend of basketball and a monster weekend for Nebraska baseball against the Gophers. Uh, that on our mind, and we'll see what other developments there are. Things look pretty quiet for now, but Nebraska are real tight with uh, scholarship numbers and still uh, potentially two or three fish out there for Nebraska to get, maybe a couple of former Crimson Tide players, maybe a former Florida defensive lineman on Nebraska's radar to round out all their portal additions. All right, caller nine now for Beef Up Your Backyard with ESPN and Hale Varsity. Caller nine, Elijah's going to get you down, and we will talk tomorrow at four with Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Thanks for your time. A Huda Media Production.